In the Catholic Church, we have a manual, we have a rite, a ritual called the rite of exorcism. And the exorcist is free to use it or not use it. It's, it's a tool. But within that ritual, there is something called the prenotanda or, or, or the, the kind of the guidelines, if you will. And it lists the three phenomena that indicate the presence of the devil, right? So one would be superhuman strength. Another one is knowledge of, of the unknown where so this this voice that is now speaking out of your aunt susan is able to tell you with perfect accuracy what you did last week what you did on that camping trip when you were 19 when you were with your friends and there was a lot of sin going on and can recite the sins and the number of times the sins have even stuff that you've forgotten about that's not natural and a third would be an ability, a facility to speak in languages that they've never been taught. So not talking about one or two or even five or maybe even 20 words in a certain language, but I mean speaking in whole paragraphs with perfect grammar. Whole paragraphs with perfect grammar. The history of our Earth is so different from what we can imagine. Enjoy the journey. The Smithsonian, that if they found out about a large skeleton somewhere, was to go get it. I'm going to assume at least one person is right, because if one person's right, it busts the paradigm. It all goes back to the fallen chair. And the problem with the modern-day church, they have a very truncated view of the supernatural. This backdrop is just pregnant with all kinds of meaning associated with this Mount Hermon event. And this guy defects from the kingdom. That's a big deal. Hey, welcome to Blurry Creatures. We are a paranormal podcast and we aren't afraid of the Bible. We get uh, into the Christian story a lot on our show. If this is your first time listening to our podcast, thank you for being here. Today we have Father Carlos Martin on the show, one of the leading exorcists in the Catholic Church and with his uh, friend and uh, co-host of their podcast, Ryan Bethay. We had a great conversation with him. We talk about a lot of the things we hear on our show. And if you're here for the first time, thanks for being here with us. And if you've been here a long time and you want to sponsor the show and help us produce more content, go to BlurryCreatures.com slash members. Become a member of the show. You get access to tickets. We just sold out our first trip to Peru with Tim Alberino. Members were able to buy those tickets first. And we also sold out our conference, which is 80s themed. You can kind of hear here in the music and some of the memes and stuff we do. If you're not a member of the show, you're missing out on all kinds of opportunities we've got more trips planned in the future we are working on the blurry verse trying to make this place um just a cool community for everybody out there so many ways to get involved but that will help you basically get involved and hear first all the things we're doing so blurrycreatures.com slash members let's get father carlos martin on this one thank you so much for listening to our podcast sharing it around and just being awesome 
Yeah, welcome guys. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Blurry Creatures, home of all things weird. We talk about creatures on our podcast, whether that's ancient giants or modern day Bigfoot sightings, everything in between. Even the blurriest creatures, which we talk to uh, a lot of people about, which is can be demons and their historical roots. We get into a lot of the Nephilim talk on our show as well. Um, but welcome to the show, Ryan and Father Carlos. Ryan, your last name is Bethia, right? So close. I know it's it's a bit blurry, um, but it's Bethay, Beth- <laughs> and uh, don't worry, it was it was misspelled on a national radio show yesterday too. So I'm uh, and Father was Mr. Martin's for a quick minute before they fixed it. So we've mm. we have many names, <laughs> yeah. but it's it's Bethay. Bethay. Well, Ryan, you can obviously you can tell Ryan you have a you have a podcast. You have a great podcasting voice, and you host the podcast I Went Camping Show. And you guys are starting a brand new show together, The Exorcist Files, which just sounds very blurry, and that's what we love, and that's why we brought you guys on the the show today to talk about that. It's going to be out on iHeartRadio, and uh, appreciate you guys coming on the show. And like like Luke said on the before the pre roll, we ask everyone, what are your thoughts on Bigfoot? There's no right or wrong answer. What do you guys think? Father Carlos Martin. All right. Welcome to the show. I want to go after the priest. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> well, yes. I'm, I'm going to start from left field. Uh, and then, it's a great place to and start. And then it'll be, it, it, I'll zero in on, on the Bigfoot, on the, this, the specific question you asked. So years ago, uh, a friend of mine, a friend who, as a, as a young adult, became a Christian. Uh, as a young adult, converted, discovered the Lord, converted, became baptized. At the time, he was, gosh, in his mid to late 20s, and he had not been raised with any kind of faith in his life. And um, after his conversion, we were talking one day, and we, we were walking in town. We're both from the same hometown. And he talked to me. He said, you know, we're not far from a place right now where we're standing where I had something really strange occur. Uh, and so this was about 10 years prior to his conversion. So he was in his late teens. And he said, I was walking with a friend and we were walking in between uh, two houses going into a backyard, which would then lead into a park, which would then we were going to traverse in order to like go hang out somewhere. And we look up in the sky and there's an enormous spaceship, like enormous. Mm. So it would be the size of many football fields with lights from it, like straight out of a movie. It was hovering there. It would have been like our city block, he said, could have fit beneath it. No problem. Like it would cover us all. It would cover the entire block if it were, if it were to touch down. And it's like Independence Day. And then all of a sudden in like one one hundredth of a second, it just like disappeared at such a speed that nothing man-made, no engine, not 300,000 engines could propel a thing that big that quickly across the sky. All right. So I saw it, he said, and my friend saw it. And to this day, he said, my friend will not talk about that. It so frightened him. So what is it that they saw? Mm -hmm. They did not see a spacecraft in the sky, although they saw an image of a spacecraft in the sky. I mean, that's what they saw. Uh, they, they, They saw something that looked like, but 
it's not what they saw because, I mean, my goodness, we were in a city at that time that consisted of over 300,000 people. Uh, there, there were no sightings of that other than these two oh. individuals, right? So, so objectively speaking, speaking with our rationality, this there was not a spacecraft that was ginormous floating in the sky, although that is precisely what they saw. And so how now do we reconcile this? And, um, you know, I allowed him to explain it. So he now had a Christian faith and he said, you know, what that did to me at the time was it made me aware that we are insignificant. It made me aware that there are other life forms and that we're part of this enormous cosmos. And the, the, the stories <clears throat> that we've been told, the creation stories in our religions here on earth, <clears throat> especially in the, in, the, in the Christian creation story, there's nothing special about them. They are merely mythologies. And that we are part of, of a giant organic system, our existence is insignificant. That was the effect it had on him. Right? Once he had his Christian faith, he was able to look at that and say, you know what? No, 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 this was wrong. This was not of God. This was a manifestation of evil that was, a f that was getting into my head. Now, I thought that that was a great insight. And, and that's exactly what, what I think is happening when a lot of these people who are rational people, who are not crazy, they're, they're not nut bars, who claim that they have seen extraterrestrials, they, that they've seen floating spacecrafts and so forth. But that is a manifestation of evil. Who is the devil manifesting himself in this form in order to affect our worldview? Case in point, friends, we only have had UFO sightings once humans reached the space age. Prior to that, nobody mentioned about spacecrafts. You don't find them in the history books. You don't find there's no reference to lights being in the sky with with beings with pointy heads or elongated heads coming in and, um, you know, that are, that are a little over three feet tall and so forth and making contact with humans. We don't, we don't hear about any of that. It was only when we reached the space age and we had the intellectual apparatus to be able to process this, that the devil now takes on that form. In the past, what you heard about pixies, leprechauns, tooth fairies, lots of those sightings. Well, as soon as we hit the space age, mm -hmm. all of that ended, right? You have the odd Bigfoot sighting, the odd, you, and, and not very many of them, to be honest with you. <laughs> not very many. So I think that's what's going on, that, that the enemy is allowed mm. to manifest himself. And I say is allowed because the devil cannot do anything without God's permission. The devil is yeah. always on a leash. He is a very minor reality. I mean, the devil makes up a large part of my life, but he is a minor reality. And God is the reality. He keeps the enemy on a leash and only permits him to manifest when and how he desires. But those are my takes on mm. that.
Interesting. Yeah. Nate, it, I appreciate that. Nate, it reminds me actually yeah. that that thought reminds me though of, of early on our show, uh, Father and Ryan, we, we talked to Duke. We just talked about Duke this last week, Nate. And what I think is fascinating about what you just said in, in terms of Bigfoot is he made this one-off statement. And if you remember, we can go back and, and do a rewind on this, but he basically said that people that have encounters with Bigfoot, there's like a high percentage of these people that get saved. Isn't that, do you remember them talking about this, Nate? I don't know if it was yeah, on the podcast yeah, yeah. or it was on a discussion, but it, it's a similar sort of situation in, 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 to what you're saying. And, and I think there's some definitely some validity to that, that people have these encounters and this, it's happened to be, he's in a Bigfoot community and he, he's a Bigfoot researcher. And we started out talking about Bigfoot as we talked about pre-roll here, but he basically said that in this community, when people have these terrifying encounters with this creature, a high percentage gets saved, which is interesting. At the very least, it's anecdotal, but it's interesting because well, it shifts their paradigm. Yeah, they, they go from unbelief to belief in lots of things. You know, it's not just creatures. It's like the everything I've been told, the weird stuff, the woo. It's true. It ha- It's out there, and, and they shift their paradigm, and they can accept all the things they haven't heard. And I, and I don't know if you were done, Luke, but uh, no, it's cool. I was just, I just, I, that was the thought I had, which I thought was an interesting because I, I love how, how Father's like, yeah, out of left field. It's like, yeah, that's about right in center field for us. No, so. I, I love, I love that opinion, Father, and I will say that that is kind of the opinion I had before I started this podcast. That was, that was roughly where my mind was, but after three years of hearing so much stuff in this vein. I've I've evolved some of those thoughts that you know I still believe it's all part of the darkness, but they it seems as though there have been sightings that have gone back a long time, and people did write it down and and all kinds of sightings of things. There was actually a famous one in the over Nuremberg in the 1500s, and they they wrote it down and they this guy painted a this whole mural about it because they were seeing things. So it's strange and we even interviewed dr diana pasolka who wrote a book called american cosmic and she said she went into the vatican and there's a whole wing devoted to ufos and and writings about them so it gets more that's what we call it blurry creatures because the moment you think you figured it out it just gets weirder and harder to understand but that's why we we bring on so many different types of people to help shed light on because some people the 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 stories they tell you I mean, you, they're hard to believe, but these people are looking you in the eye and they're, they're as honest as can be and the things they've seen and, and experienced. So a lot of people just suggest that maybe these UFOs are just good angels and bad angels. That's how they travel. That's how they get from point A to point B. I, it seems so silly to say that, but it, if you think about it, it could be as simple as that, right? I don't know. We don't know, but uh, we love to talk about it and people have a lot of encounters with with the technology and it's just weird that it's it almost looks like well, I, uh, I can i can certainly I, I can certainly comment on that last statement you said so <laughs> maybe that's how they travel how they get from point a to point b angels don't travel they have no need to travel why because they're immaterial beings so and and there, so we we because we're wired and constructed the way that we are, we imagine an angel as as a thing with a shape and with space around him, and and because we move uh, from point A to point B as needed, we imagine an angel to have to do that as well. An immaterial being is not limited by time and space. 
he is not located in time and space. Your angel, your guardian angel, is just as present to you as he is to Pluto, as he is to the farthest recess of the universe right now. So he doesn't move to go from one point to the other. All of those points are equally available to him right now. There's no movement needed. This is why, this is why in, in my field, you know, the devil will, will often, and those that he possesses, start reaming off their sins with an uncanny accuracy and, and start revealing about their life because every action that you do is observable to the angels. And, and because they're immaterial, they never forget. There's no parts within them to break down. And there's no parts that slow down the processing of anything. So everything that is in their memory is there forever. We have to work to, we have to, we have to work when we reason and we come to a conclusion. You know, we work something out in our minds. They don't have to work anything out. They're immaterial. So the, the answer to the largest mathematical problem ever created would be an instantaneous answer that they blurt out. They, they don't have to work through it like, like you and I do, right? Like that, that's the working through is the byproduct of a material creature, but an immaterial creature is not hampered by any of that. So whatever, if, if those things in the sky over Nuremberg, over my hometown with my friend or whatever, if, if they were manifestations of evil, let's say, of, or, or, well, of angels, either good or bad. Those manifestations were not in and of themselves the angels because they're immaterial and they have no shape. So whatever it is that they saw was not the angels, although it may have been the work of the angels. It's impossible to see an angel. Right? An angel is pure spirit. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult. You know, we bring a lot of people on to talk about Genesis 6 and how angels and humans procreated and created the giants, the whole the race right. of giants in the Old Testament. I'm sure we could spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about angelic human dimensions and space and time. Sure. But, uh, you know, I, I I would love to do all that. I But I definitely feel like, you know, you probably want to talk about your guys' podcast and <laughs> the exorcist files and get into that because, yeah, we we love talking about that stuff. And I appreciate those thoughts. And I, and I don't want to sound like um, I, I just... I think sometimes we hear things that that make sense, and sometimes it doesn't make sense, and, and it's we're always trying to understand the blurry verse. But um, would love to talk about the Exorcist files and maybe some give us some real life, you know, manifestations of the demons and what that looks like, and versus you know just a regular someone who has this, is having a psych psych episode, and maybe just get into some of the craziest the craziest yeah. stories and and what you've learned over the years. I do want to say that. at some point too, Senator, I am happy to comment on the Bigfoot situation as well. Uh, just, uh, <laughs> right. Not to be omitted, I have my own thoughts on Bigfoot if that's part of it, but we can also. Um, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. No, you, but, uh, I love I, it. You you have bi- you have Bigfoot in one of your in like your logo for your for your yes, show. Yes, we do. I, Don't you have yeah, said, as someone yeah, who empl- come as on someone now. who employs Yetis in his branding, I may have compromised <laughs> judgment on this. Um, but uh, I, I do yeah, want to say too, because I think one of the things I think that makes our show so interesting too is that you know uh, we have like Father and I get to come at this from different uh, angles, and I 
love like getting into these topics. And one of the things that I think is really interesting and you'll find out from the show, right, is just to Father's point, um, people will swear they have seen things. And I am, you know, I have to go back and listen to your show. One thing that fascinates me right now is I have several friends in the military who all have colleagues who are, you know, being like, we have seen these bizarre manifestations in the sky. And I just go, man, something there's like, that's one thing we want to, you know, I think communicate with this too, is that, you know, if, if anyone tries to corner you and isolate and ostracize and say, how can you believe this? It's like, just like father said, I know people who claim to have seen uh, that actually that story that father just shared about the like spaceship, the size of a municipality. I have a good friend who says he saw that too. And he is as He's of sounder mind than I am. Uh, and so it is, I absolutely believe that. When it comes to Bigfoot though, I have a, um, I like to hold things in tension. I'm not 100% on anything. And so I'm like, you know, are, I'm, I'm, I'm like 99% sure the Christian narrative is the true one. I'm 1% sure we're living in a Elon Musk engineered simulation, but I'm way more heavy on the, uh, on the Christian narrative. But uh, with Bigfoot in particular, actually, so I stole this, like most good theories, I stole this from someone smarter than me who actually did a research project up in the Emerald Triangle up there, investigating a bunch of oh, yeah. uh, triple homicide, uh, a particular triple homicide murder up there. And he, would talk, and he would talk to people and they would say, oh yeah, Bigfoot's real, et cetera. And he goes, he's like, look, how come then on Finding Bigfoot or those reality shows, they're on season eight? He's like, at what point do the producers give up funding this? <laughs> and he joked, he's like, yo, season one, they're in yeah. the forest looking is like what's that behind the tree and then season eight they're like in a walmart parking lot being like looks there's a thing of hair they've run out of places like bigfoot's like on a <laughs> yacht somewhere in the caribbean but um right one of his colleagues theories was that there were a lot of these bear attacks up there and i heard a theory from them which i'm not on board with yet but i thought it's a different narrative put out there about sasquatch and again i'm not a sasquatch scholar so if this is actually more common please forgive me. But I heard this and I thought, <laughs> that's crazy enough. I'll put a few chips on that one. I'm with Father in this one, the manifestation of evil. It could be he believed that there were some occult uh, practices and some warlocks and witches who were warging, if that's the correct term, and using spells to control bears to actually assault people and that they were seeing bears stand up on their legs and the ones who survived, it was dark, etc. And so the Sasquatch was actually just a bear being channeled by a uh, dark wizard or warlord or warlock. And I thought <laughs> that's, that, that's gnarly. Was that, that a who there was a Hulu documentary. That is uh, David. Um, gosh, I'm blanking on his name. He's actually, I shouldn't blank on his name. I, I had him on my show. He's Me fantastic. Uh, he gave a great, uh, a great interview, but no, I thought that was an interesting perspective uh, was that there were bears. And then, uh, you know, the other part too is the scientist in me wants to say that, you know how they always find new creatures at the bottom of the ocean? I was like, yeah. is there yeah. actually mm -hmm. a Sasquatch that like, is there some Neanderthal-esque creature that like lived and that everyone's just encountering it and there's so much like drugs happening that uh, we don't know, it just personifies. So I don't know, I, I keep that, but I'm kind of in father's camp on this too. It's like, it's generally not a pleasant experience. And from what I've heard, uh, it's not a, I, I met Bigfoot and I was affirmed and edified and I went home, it was like terrifying. So I'm like, ah, yeah. if it's terrifying, I don't know. It sounds like maybe it's in the camp of evil. Yeah, it's weird. The, the Bigfoot does a lot of different stuff. And I think one of the things we, we say on our show is all the above, right? I think I think we Luke and I, the, the, 
the weirder it gets, the more classification we get. I think there are multiple types of angels. I think there. I think demons are a specific being, uh, historically speaking. And so, you know, you have the cher- uh, the cherubs and the seraphim and and angels. Maybe those are all different uh, creatures that God created that we don't understand. Right? Our, our we're limited, so we just throw angels and demons on things. But uh, you know, Sasquatch has many different forms and sometimes he's nice sometimes he saves kids he's he's there's many people who've said they've been out in the woods and some being some hairy creature took took care of this little child for multiple days a lot of weird things but sometimes people say you know sasquatch ripped ripped the cabin apart scared everyone out and then they they took off running and they never went back frightens hunters it's it seems like all the above happens on our show like you you think you understand something and then someone finds like a physical craft and they're like how does this make sense if it's a spiritual manifestation i shouldn't have this piece of technology that we discovered and the government's like re-engineering it it's just it makes you scratch your head i think sometimes all the above is happening like all these things are going on at once and I think the Bible does give us a lot of framework for it, but it doesn't give you the the electrical and the insulation and the drywall all the time. So you have to sort of figure it all out. But uh, but I appreciate that. I'm glad well, you have I thoughts. Just, on I didn't want to be left. I didn't want to be left to. out of that important dis- distinction. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, whatever. But I'll say this. I'll give a quick plug for our show, and then actually, honestly, as cool as yeah. I think I am. Um, and the dozens of followers who listen to my show, um, I think we should obviously turn over to our uh, resident demonologist and uh, as we call him on the show, the demon disciplinarian. Uh, Father obviously knows this subject uh, better than anyone. But um, no, so The Exorcist Files is essentially, we're trying to coin, if it hasn't been coined already, uh, a docu-casting, so a podcast that features docudrama elements. So we take Father selected about a little over a dozen stories that each one has a particularly uh, exemplary illustration of how a doorway was opened for a demonic harassment in someone's life. Uh, the stories are, you're probably the two people who might find them not as exciting <laughs> as everyone else, given the guests you have on the show, but these stories are fascinating. And we do dramatic reenactments actually to try and bring this to life in 3D binaural audio. Um, it's a serious subject. Um, you know, in all seriousness, we do not want to glorify this, et cetera, because for um, what we try to, one thing is, especially as a producer, I want people to take away from this. This is for all the horror and the conjuring and our culture's fascination with horror stuff. These are victims in these cases. These are not people who want to be in these situations. These are terrible. I mean, Father, you know, if uh, you could, if we had multiple hours, I'm sure Father could share some stories of just like things he wished he had not seen and can't unsee at this point. And I think, uh, you know, we want to encourage people. This is, you know, almost like a PSA, like, whether you believe or don't believe in this, these are stories, uh, firsthand accounts from father's actual uh, case files and colleagues he's worked with and, and individuals. And these stories are a warning to not dabble in some of this stuff. And so I think uh, people will get a lot out of it. And you know, hopefully it strikes a optimistic note too that uh, you know, should you ever encounter any of these manifestations, you know, we won't put father's cell number out there, but uh, we'll, we'll find a way to get you, uh, get you help. And we would, uh, we would refer you to the professionals on this one. Do not, uh, that's my final take home message on this. If you are having any problems, uh, do not try and handle this uh, yourself. Uh, make sure you get a professional. Yeah, right. That's a great transition too. Cause I, one of the questions I had just to start this, Father, is like, first off, how do you, how do you get into exorcism, uh, uh, number one? And then if you could talk about how the, uh, the protocol, right? Because I, I think when people have 
doubts about this, right? And this is not this present company is included here, but like people will say, Oh, well, it's mental illness or it's schizophrenia or you're having a you know, you're having a mental break or I would love for you to break down because I know that you that this is there's actual protocol and process to this to essentially working your way down to a demonic oppression or possession or whatever it is. So I, just for our listeners to understand that like there's this is a very serious thing. Um the way that you classify and then and then qualify is super important. So two part question. I would love to understand like how do you, you know how do you get into exorcism to start out, you know, and then when you are beginning to evaluate someone, as Ryan just pointed out, like when someone believes they have they're afflicted, maybe, you know, whatever the terminology, you know terminology better than I do, but whatever it is, and how do you work through to the point where you're saying, Okay, now we need an exorcism. Now we need you know, in the Protestant side, it's deliverance, right? So I'd love to also talk about that at some point, but let's just start with, with those two things. Yeah. So, I mean, on the Catholic side, we, we use both terms, deliverance and exorcism. We generally uh, apply the term deliverance to anything short of possession, to anything short of, of kind of ownership of, of the individual's body by a demon, at least at least in, in terms of, of periods of time, where when you're interacting with Frank's body, and it's obvious that Frank is not there at all, that, that it, the demon is the one manifesting, speaking, and performing the actions. But we use, you know, both terms. So deliverance is anything short of that. But okay. generally speaking, somebody comes forward and states that they have some kind of affliction, uh, that they are experiencing something, that they're experiencing a lack of freedom in an area where people are normally free. In extreme cases, it could be the family members of them that bring them forward and say, hey, you know, our son or our daughter is in trouble. And in fact, it seems like they're no longer here. That for most of the time, there's this other entity that is speaking and acting through them. And it is the case that some mental illnesses can resemble that, can that there's a kind of a takeover, if you will, uh, where uh, the individual who was, you know, normally well, is now inaccessible. So we rule out mental illness as a matter of course. In other words, we, we presume that mental illness is the cause of the affliction. And only if mental illness or any other kind of medical illness cannot account for the phenomena, do we then start looking at, into the supernatural realm. So as people come in, you know, the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And as, as people, if they come to me and they express some kind of uh, having some kind of affliction, I'm going to ask the obvious questions. You know, when did it start? Tell me what you experience. Uh, you know, Father, whenever anything holy comes around, I see a holy image or I, I hear some kind of Christian music. Uh, I, I get very angry and I black out. Okay. Yeah. Do you black out in any other context? No. Okay, that kind of gets interesting because if it's mental illness, you would expect that people would black out, not just during Christian music, but you know what? Certain kinds of schizophrenia, you know, schizophrenia is, is, a, is a terrible disease whereby it affects the part of the brain that interprets and manages, if you will, religious experience. So they may be fine. A schizophrenic may be fine in every other context. Introduce something religious, and now there's a, quote, manifestation. So you've got to rule that out, right? You've got to rule that out. And so 
in 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 the Catholic Church, we have we have a manual, we have a we have a rite, a ritual uh, called the rite of exorcism, and the exorcist is free to use it or not use it. It's it's a tool. It's a tool. But within that ritual, there is something called the prenotanda or or, or the the kind of the guidelines, if you will, and it lists the three phenomena that indicate the presence of the devil, right? So one would be superhuman strength. All right. So, you know, your aunt Susan um, weighs 120 pounds. Her husband, your uncle Charlie, weighs 320 pounds. If she picks him up and is able to throw him clear across the room, we've left the realm of the natural. That's not natural. You have, you have to have something else that accounts for that. So something along those lines would be what the church would call an example of superhuman strength. Another one is knowledge of, of the unknown, right? So a knowledge where, so this, this voice that is now speaking out of your Aunt Susan is able to tell you with perfect accuracy what you did last week. What you did on that camping trip when you were 19, when you were with your friends, and there was a lot of sin going on, and can recite the sins and the number of times the sins have, even stuff that you've forgotten about. That's not natural. Your aunt wasn't there. And and a third would be knowledge of of, uh, an ability, a facility to speak in languages that they've never been taught. So I'm... Not talking about one or two or even five or maybe even 20 words in a certain language, but I mean speaking in whole paragraphs with perfect grammar, with a complete facility, right? And, and at times I will, uh, in an exorcism, kick into a different language and start interrogating the demon in that language. Maybe perhaps when I'm in a situation where I don't want the family members of, of the person who is possessed to know what I'm saying, what I'm asking, the kind of information that I want for, for whatever reason, but it has a certain layer of confidentiality that I want to ensure. And so I'll command the demon to speak in a different language that I understand, but the family doesn't. So when you have those three situations there, one, like even one of them is sufficient to establish possession. Now you have something that is clearly not mental illness, and yet there can also still be mental illness in the individual, right? So they're not mutually exclusive things. I, as an exorcist, I have to be aware of them. I have to look for mental illness. If and when I've discovered it, it doesn't rule out the demonic and vice versa, right? So the presence of a mental illness, it doesn't change my strategy as to what I do. I'm looking for the spiritual. Uh, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist. I'm not a physician of any sort. So with regard to mental illness, all I can do is just refer people. But with regard to the spiritual illness, uh, that I'm very interested in. And I, I don't take my instructions there from a psychiatrist, a psychologist, or a physician. I'm the expert in that area. So I'm, I'm going to look for the presence of the supernatural. Father, if I could just real quick, you have a great... We won't give it all away because everyone has to download the exorcist files, of course, to uh, learn all the 
all the tips and tricks here. But uh, you have a fun one of the first stories you told me is you have a given your fluency uh, in Latin, you have a fun little hack that you will sometimes employ to determine if someone is authentically manifesting or, or experiencing demonic harassment. Yeah, I do. So, okay. So people with mental illness or, or people who are fakers, right? Like um, you, you don't necessarily, you, you don't need a mental illness uh, to, to, to be possessed. And you, you don't, you need neither a demon nor a mental illness to be possessed. You can just play the part if you want, if that's what turns your crank, so to speak. And, and we have those occasionally. Some people experience a great solace or even like a kind of high when there's people fussing with them and they, they, right. you know, people think they're possessed. Oh, that poor soul, that poor man is ensnared, but, and they just, it just brings them a consolation. So if you come out in the case of those people, or in the case of perhaps someone with a certain kind of mental illness, you know, if I come out with a crucifix and I hold the crucifix right up to their face, I take the holy water and I put it right on, they're going to play the part. They're going to start growling. Uh, the mental illness may, may, may cause them to growl because they can't distinguish between a mental reality and a physical reality. So in other words, they play the part. And somebody who's fake does the same. Just, okay, well, I'm supposed to right now manifest and so that's what I'm going to do. So what I do as one of my tests, one of my diagnoses is I just say to somebody, okay, well, look, I'm going to, I'm going to pray a little bit right now. You're not going to know what I'm saying because it's going to be in Latin, but I just want you to sit there and uh, I want you to just sit still, just be at peace. Just allow me to do this. And so I start, I start reading pauca significant celebrandum sati sucut cuta, cum paucis tantum precipitus artibus instrumentis et ingredientibus massum cuparum prolibat coqualibus. So what I just said is this, few things symbolize celebration quite like the cupcake. With only a few basic skills, <laughs> tools, and ingredients, you can whip up a batch of cupcakes for each and every occasion that's a cause for celebration. I got that from bettycrocker.com. <laughs> right? and so then i have they they have a recipe on the website there oh they have many but i took one of them and i just rendered it all into latin right so <laughs> when you have you know the, the word for cupcake it doesn't exist in latin so i just i just took cup and cake uh and just took each of those words so it's uh it's poculum crustum but when you say crustum, it's very close to Cristo, right? Which is Christ. So as I'm saying it quickly, uh, if if there's somebody who's faking and is listening to to see, you know, what this guy is saying, he he's hearing the word Christ, and what I'm really saying is cake. So if they're reacting when I'm saying this, we have either a mental illness or somebody faking. Right? I hope so. yeah. But in the midst of this. I'll take a paragraph of an actual prayer and put it in here and start praying that. If there's a reaction on that point in time, now we have something interesting going on. Mm. And, and, I, and, of course, and I alternate. So then I'll go back to the cupcake thing. Right? Does the previous behavior continue or does it stop? So you're weeding out. It's a very rational enterprise of weeding out alternative causes to a person's manifestation. Uh, and then... Uh, if if I'm seeing an increase 
in a demonic manifestation or, or a manifestation against the spiritual prayers, the, the actual prayers that I'm uttering. Well, now, so I'm going to increase them and I, I'm going to start, I'm, I'm going to go into them deeper. And what you're going to see if the devil is present is a ramping up of the distress. And eventually you're going to see an outward reaction, either a, a verbal outward or a physical one. They may speak stand up and say, that's it, I'm leaving. They may strike me. They may start out with a plethora of expletives. But, but that's generally how the demonic works. And they all speak Latin. Uh, the demons speak every language, right? They're, they're, yeah. Makes they're, sense. they're immaterial beings. So for them, if you were to invent a language, you know, over the course of two weeks, they would learn it in an instant. It would be no work like it is for us. So how how often, Father, do you get a response in Latin? Do you do you get a does elicit some you know? How how often? In vino veritas, I was thinking about tombstone. That's the only Latin I can think of. How gosh, that's a good question. I wouldn't say very often. They don't they don't generally choose to speak in another language as a response. However, there are some demons that just habitually function in a specific language, hmm. a language that I won't know. It might be an ancient one. It might be a, just a really ring, an Asian language. I was visiting an exorcist. So I was, I was a guest staying in the, in the church rectory. And so I woke up in the afternoon from a nap and there was a room down the hall where they conducted their exorcisms. It was just, it had to be one of the strangest, if not the strangest language being spoken and um, it it sounded it sounded east asian uh, i couldn't tell you what it was but it was definitely a language and it, it, there was a definite repetition in it there were definite words within it i couldn't tell you what they were in that case i don't want them to speak in that language to me i want them to speak in a language that i know and so you 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 force them to do that uh, although your desire to get them to do that is sometimes futile. Um, there, there are some that, for whatever reason, and ultimately it's, it, it's God's decision, you cannot get them to speak in a language that you know. They, they, they speak what they do, or they're mute spirits. They don't speak at all. And so in that case, you have to communicate them with signs. If the answer is yes, raise your right hand this high. If the answer is no, raise your right hand, mm. your left hand that high. Something of that nature. I hate those because it's so agonizingly time-consuming. And then they play games, right? So then they raise neither hand. Well, you didn't say that, that, that the hand had to be raised now. Is that kind of like the same sort of thing that happens with like a Ouija board? Something like that? Where it's, it's like not communicating audibly but it's sort of in a, in one sense but what's different about a ouija board is you are seeking contact right in the in the case of an exorcism i'm forcing them to communicate i'm yeah. forcing them to yeah, give yeah, answers yeah. wow but yeah you just don't hear like the ouija board start talking to you you know it doesn't doesn't that's not the stories that you hear from people and i maybe maybe some just nuts and bolts like what what do you think demons are you know because we have a lot of guys come on right. our show and give specific theories of what these things are that are in people. They're fallen angels. So they're fallen angels and, you know, the human body, the, the human person, sorry. So let's, let's define a human person. You are a body, 
that is ensouled. You are not a soul with a body. That's not what you are. That's not what I am. You are an ensouled body. So that unity of, of the body and soul that you are right now, that is what God created you to be. And it was never part of his plan that there would be a separation between these two, these two parts, right? These two, which they're parts only artificially, right? Because they were, they were meant to, to exist together for eternity. So, but at the same time, we know from the language of St. Paul, he describes the Christian as a member of the body of Christ, as a limb, as a body part. And, and why, he says, because we share the same spirit of Christ. So because we share the same spirit of Christ, that is why and how we share his body. So you can have within your body more than one spirit. You can have Christ, which was in, you, you were intended to possess that, to have that along with your own. But guess what? You can have a demonic one as well because the, the engineering or the, the plumbing is roughed in for that, so to speak. And so that's what they're going for. And why do demons do this? I mean, why do they even bother with humans, right? Well, first of all, they hate God. They're in a permanent act of rebellion. And because of that, they hate everything that God loves. God loves humans, loves man, gave up his life for them. And so uh, they're going to prove God wrong by afflicting them. They're, they're going to prove to God that he was wrong in taking delight in this worthless creature. And so, so that's kind of the, that's the MO reason, their modus operandi. But, but the, other, the other one for them personally is the fact that in a way of mystery, and scripture informs us of this, when they possess, when they inhabit, whether a person or say an animal, or even an inanimate object, like say a room, there's some comfort brought to them from their state of misery. They don't feel their pain as acutely. 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 And in an exorcism, when you when you're getting to the end of an exorcism, like you know, the average exorcism, the average exorcism requires multiple sessions. Uh, on average, I mean, with me, I've asked a lot of my colleagues to. The average exorcism lasts about a year and a half, and that's with a session happening every week. So let's say seventy-five sessions would be the average. Average. So it's not like the, not like the movies where you're like you're the head spinning around and you just toss it out. And it's not a one-time. It, it if it's a one-time thing. It was a very low-level demonic affliction, right? There were very few rights the demon owned. But we, so yet you have a year and a half. So you have a peeling off of the layers. Uh, so it isn't kind of an all or nothing. You're, you're constantly removing rights. And when you get to the end, you will often have, not always, but you'll often have the demon trying to make a negotiation. All right. If you leave me here, then 
you know, I won't afflict the, the person as much, or uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave him alone uh, for just about all of his day kind of thing, right? I mean, these are stupid negotiations, but it's the desperation that the demon will feel because when he's cast out, he's going to experience a tremendous amount of pain. And you, you can see that manifesting on the face of the victim. You see that demon's pain. Please don't make me go back there. Please don't make me go back there. You know, they will beat the hell out of me if I sent back to hell and I lose this case. Is that why Christ puts them into the pigs? That's that's what I was thinking of the man at the tombs. And they're just like, well, can we at least go in these bodies? That's a really, I, so I, I, I have a, I have a theory on that. Like I, I have a, I think what happened in the case of the pigs um, is, is um, so you have the Gerasene demoniac who's afflicted horrifically and the Gerasene demoniac, nobody can, you know, nobody's able to stop him. He breaks all of his chains and so forth. When Christ comes, the demon in him knows this is my end. Right. This, this, so there's already been a discussion, if you will, in the demonic world, right? That this Jesus, we can't control, right? And who knows what in heaven's name he's capable of. So at that point in the scripture, the demon, the the devil is kind of still feeling out Christ. What is he truly capable of? But he's already gotten the devil's attention. I don't want to take this guy on head on. So he says, if you cast us out, right? This is after he's already begged not to be tortured. But if you cast us out, cast us out into the pigs. And so that's what Christ does. Demons go into the pigs, the pigs go into water and so forth. Why did that happen? Well, I think the the presence of the water speaks to it. Water in the ancient world, in the ancient mindset of the Jews, large bodies of water were portholes where demons would come, would ascend and descend from the netherworld to the upper world and, and so forth. When you have Peter walking on the water, Christ had commanded him to, and guess what? He starts walking on the water. But the water is agitated. He's not scared until he begins to sink. But what's the problem, Peter? You already know how to swim. We know that. I mean, for crying out loud, he was a fisherman. He had to go into the water and get his nets. And and John uh, tells us in his gospel, Peter swam to the shore. So what does it matter that you you begun to sink? You're not standing on the water anymore, Peter. Because the water was agitated, Peter was afraid of the demonic. The demons were beneath the water, shaking the water. And in that mindset, he's close to evil and he doesn't want any part of it. In Christ sending the pigs into the, into the lake, into the Sea of Gennesaret, and them drowning, the demons are able to have a soft landing and they're able to recede into hell relatively, pain, well, in the most pain, painless way possible. Now, why in heaven's name would Christ be nice to the demons? The soldiers that crucified Christ, they were part of a certain legion. And their symbol, and on their shields, uh, every legion would have their symbol. The symbol of that legion was the pig. Hmm. In a sense, 
in, in, a, in a way of allegory, Christ is being kind to the one that is going to kill him. So, and that's, 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 a, that's a bearing out or, 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 or a proving true of Christ's words. You don't take my life from me. I freely lay it down. Oh. Mm. What do you what do you think about people who can see angels and demons and they Christians who who say they can see these things all I the don't, time? I don't have um I, I don't have a, a a kind of one or two sentence opinion on that. I I I can't answer that question, but I will say this, speaking generally in terms of just general thoughts. I don't think that's the case for the vast majority of people. Uh, I don't think, um, I, I'm not, and with that, I'm not denying that they see things, right? I'm not denying, just like I don't deny that my friend, whom I trust, saw that spaceship in the sky. But I don't think what they're seeing is what they think they are seeing. I have a priest friend, really, really good friend, whom I would trust with my life. Uh, I mean, I've I've worked with him as an exorcist. Uh, and gosh, he, he's just an amazing man. I, I trust him completely. He one day told me that he had these certain gifts. And one of them was, uh, now this is more relevant back in the day when you had kind of wrote landline phones, not so much cell phones. But, you know, but you guys, you're of age, you remember them. Like, did you ever have the experience of picking up a phone and you're going to dial somebody and there's somebody already on the other line, like, like you picked up the phone before it rang, they were calling you mm-hmm. and like, oh, do you remember that experience? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. He could, he had this ability to go to the phone, pick it up, say hello. And there was somebody there. He could pick it up before the ring would happen. Wow. Right. Okay. So there was that. And, and when somebody in his family was about to die, or on, say, during the night, on the night that they passed away, he would have a dream about somebody either lying in a coffin or kind of, um, kind of the, the, the funeral itself, the funeral rites, or the visitation in a funeral home. Occasionally, he would even be in the coffin with the person. In other words, at an angle where he was lying down and he could turn his head and see them lying in the coffin. And he referred to those abilities as gifts. And I said, well, gifts from whom? And he said, well, of God. I said, okay, well, if, if it's of God, then there's going to be a utility to them, right? There's going to be some goodness to them. He says, yeah. So in you being able to go and pick up the phone at that precise moment before it rings, and yet there's somebody on the line, what does that achieve? And he had no answer. And I said, okay, and in you dreaming about somebody dying. So in other words, he's not, he's not necessarily seeing the individual who dies. He is seeing a dead body. Well, that would be largely indistinct, right? Like he couldn't recognize who it is. Right. Although, like it's not Rick or whoever. Yeah, it may not be yeah. Rick, may not be Selma. Um, or it might actually be somebody that he recognizes. Okay, fine, right? Whatever, either or. I said, what do you think that achieves? What good effect is brought about from that? 
I, he said, well, I guess I pray for the person. I mean, we Catholics, we do pray for the dead. We, 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 we pray for the deceased. But even if that person, let's say, you're dreaming about Anselma dead, um, you don't know if she actually is dead. As far as you know, she was alive last evening. So there could be a prompting to pray for this person who has not yet died, all right? So, so I asked him, but when these happen, do you pray? And he said, actually, you know what? No. I said, then, Father, these phenomena are not from God. And so we kept talking. We kept talking. And uh, he was an Irish priest, Irish man, came from an Irish family. In his family, along his mother's side, his great aunts, a couple of them, had, they worked as mediums. They worked as sorceresses, they, witches, witches yeah. of, of some kind of variety. All right? But, but I, I mean, a true witch would not be Christian. This was a syncretistic kind of thing where they mixed some Christianity, some, some of the old religion, some picks kind of uh, mythology in with it. And so I just said with, to him, all right, well, look, why don't we just say a prayer together right now? And we'll just ask the Lord, if, if, these, if these phenomena that you experience, if they're from him, we'll ask him to strengthen them, to clarify them, purify them. But if they're not from him, we're going to ask him to remove them. Right? Deal? So we're going to leave the decision to God. And so we did that. He never experienced them again. Interesting never experience them again. So people who see things, I don't know what they're seeing. I don't know who they're seeing. I don't know the cause of it. There could be a number of different causes, but people who see angels habitually, I think the vast majority of them, it's, it's not a phenomenon that's coming from God. And, and who am I to say uh, that, that, that this is not possible at all? I would never say that. I mean, there, there have been mystics, saints, uh, people that prophets that God has entrusted with extraordinary abilities in history. But you know what? When we read about those biblically, they kind of know what they're doing, those people, right? They're not going around saying, hey, I, you know, I, I see things like, what does this mean? There's an empowerment that God gives with a gift as well. So when that empowerment is not there, I am highly suspicious. I guys, I thought it might be uh, interesting too, just so, you know, coming at it from a you know, outside a Catholic angle that I found really interesting in research for this show is I was gifted a book that contains some firsthand accounts from the saints, which obviously in Protestant, you know, Christianity, they're not emphasized and they're probably not read as much, but the manifestations uh, in particular of which they attributed to the devil uh, were very, very, were varied and very uh, just all over the place. I mean, I, some of these accounts, they, the devil appeared to them as wild animals, their houses would shake. There was uh, a saint I was reading about this morning that had uh, claimed to have being uh, beaten by invisible hands. And so I, uh, interesting, it's a father's point there. It's in the saints in the church, who I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say these are probably honest people uh, in, their, in their accounts of what's happening. Uh, there's a wide variety uh, that I, I mean, and well-known saints too, 
um, there was St. Bernard and there's, there were some that I was, I was, I was fairly shocked about that were very open and almost read like a diary. Like I was out walking and then someone appeared. They started asking where I was going. I told them I was going to preach the gospel. They let out a cackle, turned into a wolf and disappeared and just and then moved on. And so, I mean, Father, right, this is, is this in your experience and, and obviously better knowledge of the saints that uh, they're, um, the devil would appear to them in many, many shapes and forms, right? Yeah, and, and, and often in an animal form. Uh, and and when the devil rages in anger, uh, an animal-like form is often a, a, a manifestation. And, and this is the irony, right? So, uh, so you have God, who's the supreme being. You have man, who is his beloved creature. And in between those two, you have the angels, who are higher beings than man, objectively. They're, they're less, lesser beings than God. But when the devil does his thing, when he, when he reacts out of, out of anger, out of spite, when he manifests himself in f- full throttle, he becomes something even less than man. He becomes an animal-like being. A roar, the Bible says he's like a roaring lion, right? Like seeking to devour. It's interesting. Well, the, the, I've never seen the devil become a lion. Uh, and that image is is what christ is one of the images yeah, of christ, line, of right? line of judah but yeah. but to be a pig uh to be a dog to be a cat a snake like, like I've, I've prayed over people and good god in heaven they slide out of their chair and they uh, they slide along the floor snake like like just in a That's way wild. that in a way that just leaves you it, it, your jaw drops because it it looks like as if uh, their bones are no longer solid. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is getting to where I want to get to. I, I know that you guys have the exorcist files and you've got, you've picked out these specific encounters and, and exorcisms that you've done, but would love something, some, some of your crazier stories that maybe didn't make the cut just so we could, it's just to share with the audience some of the things that, you know, cause I don't want to run, run and, and, uh, and father, I don't want to, you know, we don't, we don't want to spo- do any spoilers for the show, but I mean, you've, you've been doing this for, for quite some time. You so. want our second tier exorcism stories? Is that what you're saying? Give, hey, give us the, give us the, give us the JV team. The what do you JV. got? You Father, know? if I might make a recommendation, the uh, music box is always uh, a crowd, unless you have another personal one you'd rather, uh, that's always a crowd pleaser for lack of a better term. Sure, yeah, no, that's fine. And that, that was one of my first cases. So I, I got a call one day from a woman. She wanted her house blessed. The, the house was actually her uncle's. But he was deployed in Afghanistan at the time, and uh, so he wasn't using his house. Hers had burned down, so to help her out, he offered her uh, its use, and, and he, he was going to be gone for over three years. So uh, that was going to give her plenty of time to get back on her feet, get on her own home. Mm. But as soon as she had started moving in, there was just a tremendous amount of phenomena that would happen, such as objects that were safely sitting on a tabletop or on a countertop would suddenly fall onto the floor and break. There was the sensation she had at different times of being watched in the house. So just all of a sudden it feels like 10,000 eyes are on you, right? Like I think we've all had kind of that feeling at some time or other that, hey, wait a minute, I'm in a room right now. I should be alone. There's no one else here, but I feel like I'm not alone and that there's something watching me and I can't see it kind of thing. Anyway, so there was that, and but the most appliances would turn on and off by themselves. But the most, the creepiest thing was there was a music box in her uncle's room 
that would chime in at random times. Uh, she had been in the house a couple or three months or so by the time she called me. And in that time, that music box would go off at random times daily. Uh, she had gone and, and tried to remove it from the house, but she couldn't physically pick it up off the dresser. It's like the two were fused. Hmm. The only thing she could do, and she did, was the winding key that was in the side of it. She removed it. And she figured, you know, somehow she knew that no one was coming in the place and winding it. But is there some is there some way in which somehow it's being wound? So she took the key. Well, that had no effect. And so when I went into the house, so what I saw as soon as I entered in was the ceiling fan began turning slightly, ever so slowly. And then all of a sudden, it started spinning so fast. I mean, faster, like, like it, it, would, it would be like an airplane propeller, where it was just the, the, the fins were just a blur, if they were that. And then all of a sudden, like a stop, but not a stop on a dime. There was no more, like all the momentum was pulled from it immediately. And then it would start spinning backwards slowly again, then super fast, change direction without any slowdown in the momentum and any pickup in the momentum, just kind of games. Right? So I put down my bag. I pulled out everything I needed to bless the place. I told her to go to the sink uh, and get and fill a bowl with, with water that I was going to make into the holy water. And so that's what I did. I said the prayers made into the holy water. And then I began the prayers of, of an exorcism of the place. And I started going around and putting holy water, once I was done those prayers, into kind of all of the rooms on the main floor, every corner of the room, every window, every door, every major object that's in the room, putting holy water. And for when I was done the first floor, I moved up to the second, and I did every room, leaving her uncle's room to be the last one. And so when I entered into that room... so. Actually, I, let me back up. As I was doing the prayers to make the holy water, the music box starts chiming. So I go upstairs. There's the music box. It's chiming away, sitting there on the dresser. And it looks like just like a, yeah, a typical music box. Uh, normally, a music box only chimes, though, when you open the lid. This one was chiming with the lid closed. So I, I put down, I, I, I reach for it to pick this thing up and I pick it up with no problem. I mean, it was just like a, I mean, there was nothing special about it. It was, a, I just picked up a music box off a dresser and had the experience of doing that like you would expect uh, to do with any music box. When I touched it, it immediately stopped chiming. I opened up the lid. There was nothing but empty space inside this box. There were no mechanical parts. That there, there was nothing. I could see the hole where the winding key would go in, and there was nothing that that key would be connected to. It's an empty box. There was nothing, nothing but empty space. Hmm. And there was no sign that it ever held anything. So I have no idea what that man was into. I, it, it's safe to bet that it wasn't good. Uh, now, yeah. she never experienced any more phenomena in the house again. And the reason why I, I uh, the reason why for that is her husband, her, uh, pardon me, her uncle had given her permission to use his home. 
So in the realm, in, in, in the legal realm, if you will, demons are legal entities. They're the most legalistic entities in the universe. Well, he gave her permission to be in the home. So right for the time that she's there, it's her home. So I got the authority I needed to cast out the devil from her. Right? And, she, mm. and she, that was an authority that she could give. If he had not allowed her to stay there, I wouldn't have even tried it. Uh, because the, first of all, the devil's not going to leave. And second of all, I'm going to whack him and he's going to be peed off and he's going to come after her even more. Right? Because mm. he has every right to be there. He has every right. But when, he, when the uncle gave her the right to live there, then she had the right to evict the devil at least from her, the areas in which she would live. And, and so that's, uh, that was the authority that I used to go do what I did. Mm. We hear that a lot the empty on our breaks. show. Yeah. We've, talked, we've talked a lot about authority and, and, and giving that up. And I, I like that, how, how much it, it plays in from previous episodes on our show. That it seems like there is a courtroom scene in heaven and everything... There is no chaos involved as everything has ruling order even down here. And I think that's where humans get it from, right? We, we got it from somewhere, our, our need for justice. We want justice. Where do we get that from? Where does that come and from? Rules. But, uh, and rules. You also yeah. invite an interesting yeah. you know, question that I think you know, comes up through the research for this and you know father obviously can eloquently state this better than i can but you know father i'm curious you know um there's a weird way too right where god is in control according to the christian narrative right god is somehow in control and uh would you go as far to say father that he like that can satan and his minions be used as pawns in god's overall strategic plan for humanity and yeah, you know, i was thinking back to i think you were referring to dr heiser and his courtrooms of heaven yeah. Um, but it does seem that throughout scripture at various points that the devil seems to request permission to do, obviously in the story of Job, et cetera. Like Job, so yeah, God is somehow, yeah. and this is, I guess, one of the theological mysteries, which is how are we as humans morally culpable for our decisions, yet God is also sovereign and also responsible for the order of things. So, Father, I know that's been worked out for years, but if you want to settle that theology for us. Yeah, so like I said before, the devil is a very minor reality. He is dangerous but he is a minor reality. And so being on a leash, he has to ask the Lord for permission to do what he does. Uh, but the, the, the Lord does give him permission to act. He allows him. And that, that's straight out of scripture. When you hear about uh, in, in the book of Job, he, he, the, the devil was uh, approached the Lord in heaven and asked for permission to afflict Job. Guess what? God gave him that permission. Uh, so why would God do that? Well, the, the only thing that would make sense, right? Because we believe in a rational God. Our God is not capricious. He's not schizophrenic. He's not foolish. He's, he's not mad. The only reason why he would is in order to bring forth greater good. Because even the devil has his place in creation. And God is bringing about his will in spite of the devil. And no matter how much the devil rages, how much he rebels, how much he strikes against that which God loves, the devil is helping to bring about God's will. 
Yeah, it's about knowing the beginning and end. Yeah. And that is a thing. It causes him to rage, right? I remember bringing that up in an exorcism and, and you know, that you're, you're, you're just helping God at the end of the day, you're just helping him. And I brought up examples that, you know, look, you did this, you did this, you put the son of God on the cross, you, you killed him, you crucified mm-hmm. him. And all you did was, was solidify the vanquishing of your kingdom. And he stopped his manifestation. He stopped his struggle and he turned to me. You know, I was at his side and he said, I don't need any effing reminding of that, is what he said. Wow. Hmm. So he's well aware. He's well aware. Well, I mean, well, yeah, I think you made a good point that we've talked about on the show before too, Father, where, you know, you talk about at the tombs and them not knowing exactly what they had in Jesus, right? And it's the tempting of, temptation of Christ where he's, you know, he's quoting scripture and saying, if you throw yourself off here because your angels will... Will, will hold you up and your foot won't strike the right. rock. You know, we've, we've gone down that path and on the show and talking about how, you know, the darkness didn't really know if, if Jesus could be killed. You know, they, they were, there was a lot of like sussing out, like God is omniscient. He knows the beginning and the end, right. but he is the only omniscient being there right. is. Like, and, and so mm. I, I find it fascinating. It's, it's just like the um, God can take, can use all things for the good, for good, right? It, it, he can turn all these things for good for those who put their trust in him. And, and I think it's fascinating when you look at it from a macro standpoint, you're looking at, at the whole board and realizing that in all this rebellion, darkness, and evil is meant for, you know, as John, John 10 says, to, to steal, kill, and destroy, that ultimately God's purposes cannot be stopped right. and won't be stopped. Mm. And all these things that he's right. attempting, the, the darkness and the enemy is attempting to do is, is actually, will actually be turned turn to good and I, that's a mind bender right you it is try, you, it is a mind you could live in that space forever i think and just try to ruminate on, on on how that is and how and how that works because it's, there's so much bad stuff right and then so i had a question about about what you're what we're talking about there where yes legally speaking the person has to be granted do, do we give permission when we sin well yeah exactly. is that us giving permission exactly. to yeah i mean nobody is going to say to the devil hey devil i hereby give you permission to possess well, some might if they want guitar skills. We have those stories or fiddle skills. I mean, Devil went down to Georgia, right? So, I mean, maybe for that. And maybe, but those, but those are rare, yeah. rare occasions. And and put it this way, I've been an exorcist for the almost two decades. I've never encountered that. I've hmm. never encountered somebody who explicitly gave the devil permission. I what I encounter is, um, you know, poor souls who made stupid, foolish decisions, moral decisions. And guess what? There was something else that came along with that. And, and so now they're stuck. Right. So, um, mm. so yeah, when, when you sin, when you, and we're talking about a serious sin, right? We're, we're not talking about you, you know, you, you cussed, you know, when, when you hit your, when you slam the door on your thumb, you know, we're not, we're not talking about smoking a cigarette behind the, behind the behind shed. The shed yeah. Right. Yeah. We're, we're talking about something serious, right? A serious violation of the 10 commandments. Right, uh, like a, a something that is puts you in direct opposition with the will of God, and where you've consciously chosen to do that. Nobody's forcing you to do that. Nobody has a gun on your head, to your head and saying, "Okay, we want you to go rob this bank." But but you're doing it of your own volition. You have the knowledge that it's wrong, and you have chosen to do the action. Right. So that's what, by definition, that's what Catholics would call a mortal sin, a sin that that is deadly, right? to, to use the language from the New Testament. So one of the one is grants sufficient rights 
for the devil to possess because mm. you are his property and possession at that point. You've, you've renounced your faith. I mean, James is very clear that we can have a Christian faith that is unable to save us. We can be in such a sinful state that our faith can't save us. And, and, and as a proof, he says, even the demons believe, believe in God and they tremble. So, so mm. there, so you are a son of God if you believe in him and you're ready to do his will. Mm. And if you don't, if you don't, then, then you're, you're not one of God's children. I mean, you're, you're in rebellion. You're in rebellion. Yeah. I, you know, it reminds me a lot of these creatures encounters, they ask for permission. We had, the black-eyed children, they show up at your door, they knock on your door, and they say, can we come in, right? You hear a lot of uh, stories of these things asking permission before they do do something. But I, but I want to talk a little bit about, it sounds like there are some manifestations that are, for lack of better words, just on a scale. They're like a one out of ten. And then it sounds like there's some ten out of tens. And I've heard stories of... The you know the person performing the exorcism was like never the same again. It was almost like they went through so much trauma themselves just trying to get this thing to leave. Um, is that true? It can be true, right? So, so I mean, and and there could so that reality. There might be a lot of different reasons for that reality. So, first of all, there's the man himself who's the exorcist. You know what what stuff is he made out of? You know, exorcism is not everybody's cup of tea, right? It just, it just is surgery. I, I couldn't stand to be, and I, I can't watch a surgery being done on TV on somebody's body. I worked for six years when I was in college. I worked in a slaughterhouse. I dismembered pigs. I can cut open an, and, and I mean, I'm a hunter and I come from a family of hunters, right? I can, I can gut. Dude, the, I, I, the hunting exorcist <laughs> who worked in the slaughterhouse. Dude, this is a, this is a film of itself, Ryan. It's, see, it's right in itself. I, it's in development. <laughs> but every, every time I went hunting, who I was really looking for was Bigfoot. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> you get, hey, that's the big. That's the bit, the most dangerous yeah. game, right? Yeah, if yeah. you're smoking a cigarette out by the shed, then Bigfoot gets <laughs> Dude, you. Right? That's what happens. Ergo, that's why you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> so I can I can do that no problem, but I can't. I, I can gut an animal, I can cut up an animal, no problem. I can't watch a surgery being done on a human being. I can't go play paintball because I'm a hunter. I I look down the barrel of a gun and I'm looking at a prey that I'm going to kill. I can't look down a paintball gun at a human being. I just can't do that. I psychologically mm -hmm. can't cross that barrier, even though I know, okay, it's a game. He's not, I just can't, I just don't go there. So with regard to exorcism, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but you are getting into a battle and the demon is going to attack you. He, 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 he will certainly try to attack you physically. And I have been attacked. I, I, I was hit once so hard in the head that I needed two surgeries to repair my skull. Wow. But worse than that, he will try to get into your head mentally. He will make you try to feel unworthy of what you're doing. He will make you try, like, you know, you come back from an exorcism or you have an exorcism coming up in two weeks and every personal relationship in your life seems to fall apart during those times, right? You just feel like crap. You feel like a loser that, you know, hey, I was rude to, even to Mrs. Shephouse, I was rude. You know, I, I saw her walk away and avoid me uh, kind of thing. So you, you go through this, like at the end of the day, 
uh, every exorcist, you're a human being. And the devil will, will try to make your life a hell. He will do that. Yeah, it's I mean it's the old it's mm. the same it's the same tricks uses on everyone else, right? It's shame, it's uh it's unworthiness, you're not good enough. Misunderstanding. You're never good enough. And and even yeah. even even there was no misunderstanding, but in your in your mind there's a scruple that he's putting there. Well, wait a minute. Did I gosh, did I tick off that person in saying that? Like, oh gosh. I, I better call them up and then you call them up and you seem to make things worse and and it just <laughs> it just um yeah. So at the end of the day, you know, for me, I just resolve like, look, Lord, I'm, I'm here to serve you. I'll take it, whatever comes my way. I'll take it as coming from your hand. So if you want me to be mm. embarrassed, if you want me to suffer a bit, Hey, you know what, if that's what you want, sign me up. I'm game for it. I don't like it, but if that's what you want, that's what we're going to have for lunch today. So you've been doing this a while. What, What's the one story that sort of rattled your cage the most? The one that you oh, can't there forget? Is, there's, there is no one. There is no one. Um, okay. The, 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 so if you probably, could pick one. If probably you could. in your mind, what, what's behind that question is you're asking about probably phenomena or what did you see in the room that was kind of just, whoa, it was so out of control. It was so scary. It was so loud. It was so wild. Those kinds of things are the least. Uh, hmm. Those, you know, the, the devil the devil manifests in order to try to put a fear in you. But for me, I might at this so long, he doesn't manifest anymore. Hmm. You know, like what he he doesn't waste his energy because he it's it's There's not going to scare exactly. you. Like so, look yeah. if if you walked in a room and you saw a chair lift up off the floor and into the air and just hover there three, four feet. That might scare the lights out of you. It might not, but, but it would at least, you, you would find it weird. You would stare at it for more than half a second, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, just a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So what about the 22nd time that you see that? What about the 222nd time that you see that? Mm -hmm. would, would, it, would it produce the same effect in you? Oh, it's the old chair floating in the air. All right. Right. The old chair so, in the air. Is there, is there any yeah. soda left there in the bottle, Frank? Like you don't care yeah. at that point. That's like doing this podcast. We hear the, the weirdest stuff, and eventually, it's like, oh, you saw grays. Okay, yeah. a typical Bigfoot sighting. Like, okay, okay, what else? Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> saw Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, that's how we feel sometimes. So, so I get so it. So that that's not. Uh, I mean, the, the phenomena stuff wears off very quickly. You know, there, there is phenomena. There's spitting. There's vomiting. There's displays of power that are that are that are huge. I've seen mm -hmm. levitation. I've seen where the temperature changes in the room, where part of the room is boiling hot, like hot, like 110 degrees. And then you move four feet over and it's frigid cold. And there's nothing in between. There's just air. But uh, again, they're just they're few and 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 far between. The the longer you're in this ministry, the less of that you see. 
what is much more mm-hmm. interesting is how the devil ensnared the person and what machinations are in place to keep this person ensnared. So those are interesting. Mm-hmm. And those involve a lot of prayer, but they also involve, and in a lot of cases, there's an intellectual component to them. So you have to unravel the ball of yarn. So you need to be on your feet in terms of your brain, right? So, so, uh, and, 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 and it helps. I like to work always with another exorcist if I can help it. It's not always possible, but I like for two of us to be there and then we debrief things, you know? So let's just, talk out loud. You know, here's what I saw. Here's what I'm thinking. And here's what my gut tells me. Does that mesh with you? It's kind of like a forensic, like a forensics, you know, you're walking into a crime. It's very scene forensic. Almost. That's right. It's you're unraveling a legality. And at some times, you know, there can be layers of contracts with the devil and you have to go back and like, what would be the first contract? Cause all of the others are going to be addenda onto that first one. So if I can eliminate that first one, I can eliminate all of them in one shot rather than start at the I love end. It. So, I, I, so a lot of entities on our show, they, they just communicate right to you. They don't, they don't even use words. They just put right into your mind. They call it mind speak. Does that ever happen where they're trying to communicate right into your brain? No, I, I mean, in my brain, no. I mean, I can hear something. I can hear something, for example, without there being an audible sound, right? So, so, but that's not mind speak. You're still hearing something external, mm-hmm. right? So, because I'm, I'm speaking to you right now, you're hearing that sound externally coming from you. Like, like in other words, I'm not speaking in your head. Mm-hmm. If you take away the sound, it's still possible to speak for an angel it is, for a demon, a fallen angel, it's still possible to speak to you without sound. That doesn't mean that that sound is in your head. You're hearing it with the apparatus of your mind that hears, but right now your your faculty of physical hearing is not operative and it doesn't need to be operative. Mm. So that's just a, that that's a smoke and mirror trick. That's all yeah. it is. That's all it is. I think that startles a lot of people on our show. They just, they're walking through the woods and all of a sudden something comes into their mind that they, they don't understand. They can't figure out where it's coming from and it's just intense fear and then they'll hear things. And I just didn't know if they if they, they probably don't have to, like you said, they communicate in all kinds of different they're, ways. They're masters of that. You know, people, one of the ways, it's really a, one of the cruel ways uh, that the devil has gone after people that, that, that I have helped is, you know, you have a grieving person that who I'm, I'm thinking of uh, one person who lost her sister. Her sister was murdered, uh, and she felt a great guilt because of this. Because her she was supposed to pick. Well, her sister got off of work early, and called her and asked her for a ride, and she wouldn't give her a ride. And so her sister never made it home. She was kidnapped. She was assaulted, uh, and then she was murdered that evening. And so the, this, this grieving sister, after several months, decided to go and contact a medium to see if she could reach her sister. And she did. This medium all of a sudden is speaking in the voice of her sister. And not only that, uh, the, the, the perfume her sister would wear would, would permeate the room. It smelled like her sister is right here. 
Well, she was hook, line, and sinker. Right? Yeah. Hook, line, and sinker. You know, you're, you're grieving so much for your dead grandmother, and you go to the medium, and all of a sudden, you can smell your grandmother's kitchen. And it's unmistakable. See, the demons, they know exactly what your grandmother's kitchen smell like, smells like. And, and they can produce that. They can replicate it. I mean, it, it's easy for them. We, we would need a whole crew. <laughs> we, yeah. we would need a movie crew. We would need you know, odor specialists. We'd need professionals. Grandma. We need grandma. Or, or need. grandma right? Okay. But it's not <laughs> grandma. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. I know what my last question is to, to re- rephrase what you said. What's the weirdest way someone has been possessed? And that's not an easy question to answer. I mean, I, I could, I could name case by case and each time you would say, okay, yeah, that definitely is weird. It's weirder than the last one. And then I could just keep going. I think um, in one case, um, yeah, this is going to open up a can of worms and I really don't want to talk about this case very much, but it was a person born into a satanic cult. Uh, and mm. so the, cert- the person was consecrated to evil from the time that she was well, literally in the womb. So she had no choice in the matter. So at, at a certain point, uh, when she was an adult, she repudiated it and, and had to physically leave the cult. And this is no small matter, right? So when you're talking about a religious cult. You're, you're talking about something that's that's secret. Um, you're, you're talking about they're not interested in making new members. They raise the members that that form part of the cult. So cults. Mm. Uh, so I'm talking about satanic and witchcraft cults. They will have a team of breeders that breed babies for the cult, um, especially satanic cults, and the the, the kitty porn that's out there, the child pornography, the vast majority of it is produced by satanic cults because the children they have are off the grid. They're not registered births. Nobody knows that they exist, right? And so you, you will hear about at times, you will hear about the police discovering a cache of child pornography and they make arrests of different users of that pornography. You, you hear about... 110 people were arrested in this ring. Three of them were judges, 18 were teachers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you hear about that periodically. But one thing you've never heard, you've never heard, is the child actors being discovered. Because once that pornography is produced, once it's released out there, those children don't exist anymore. They've been sacrificed. So they can never be found. Right? So... So when she, when I say that she left the cult, I'm saying she escaped the cult, uh, and it began a very, very, very long, multiple year process of her exorcism, her deliverance. Mm. Yeah, we just we just had an SRA victim come on our show. We had to disguise her voice, and that's and they call them survivors, right. and we understand now how how right. heavy that is, and. It's not fun. I mean, that's not some, something that we wanted to talk about when we were talking about Bigfoot. You know, we didn't want to get into that <laughs> stuff, but it's very real. Right. It's very real. And, and it and it helps us put together a lot of clues, Father. Thank you. Because we talk about everything from like, how did Nimrod do these sexual occult practices become something else? And then, you know, to modern day, like you're saying, when you sin, you're doing something, you're giving access 
And it makes a lot of sense of all the things we hear about on our show that you're giving legal right when you do things. And uh, sometimes humans, we're so clueless of what's going on around us that we don't even realize. But uh, it just answers a lot of questions from satanic ritual abuse to weird things that happen to people in certain parts of certain places. And in this one spot, all this weird stuff happens where, you know, it's like, why is it just always in these weird places? And what happened there? Was there some sort of, was that land or that area defiled in some way? So a lot of people, you know, they're skeptical of these things. So I, I appreciate your opinions and sure. and your stories because it helps give validity to a lot of the weird stuff we hear on our show. So we can't, can't say thanks enough yeah. guys for yeah. coming Certainly. on and dropping yeah, just sure. more clues of how to make sense of all these things we hear. Well, should we end on an optimi- an optimistic? You know, I know it's a it's a bit of a heavy. Yes. Uh, so it's a yeah. That was we, a heavy is, ending. We a, dropped it there. That was a yeah. pretty big. It was like seven eighty seven. Just landing the. Yeah, we got to land that yeah. plane. Yeah. Um, but uh, the Exorcist. Yeah, I was yeah, like, sorry. the Exorcist Files is available on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. So as soon as you're done. Uh, listening to this podcast, go on over and subscribe. Uh, each episode will be a case of Father Martin's that is brought to you in 3D binaural audio. The the 3D sound is really trippy. It's uh, There's a couple recreations of some manifestations in the room, and you'll hear the voice 360 surround you. So we uh, we often joke uh, that uh, when we were thinking about you know potential sponsors and partners that uh, should we get an underwear company in case it's so scary that someone should soil themselves. <laughs> but no, no partner exists for right. that. But uh, you know, on an optimistic note, I think one thing to consider is um, I want everyone to you know listen to this and, and make up their own mind. I mean, that's the whole point. We are not. I mean, these are the experiences of uh, a father. Um, these are also the experiences of individuals that we've researched and. One thing I will say, and you know, trying to be—I'm not a journalist, but I try to, since I co-host it, I try to bring in outside opinions and reconcile. We do have ex- other experts we bring on. We have a neuroscientist, we have a prominent psychiatrist, um, who will all attest in their own experience of walks that they have firsthand experience with stories that corroborate. Uh, corroborate father's uh, own experience. And one thing I found absolutely fascinating was I mentioned reading some of the accounts of the early church fathers um, and the saints, but also uh, in the Protestant delivery uh, ministry, uh, there's a, a couple, as a well-known Protestant delivery minister uh, and professor named Charles Kraft, uh, who wrote on, he actually created a theology and he, he came up with a, a system to try and rate the level of harassing spirits. But one thing I found, and obviously he is outside the Catholic faith, but he, in his experiences, in his first, in his accounts, in his journals, so many of his stories lined up with exactly what Father was saying. And I appreciated this ecumenical approach that there is a reality across the spectrum for many, many cultures and many people across the world that evil is real and that it is a, there, it exists in a personified uh, form that is out there wreaking havoc. And so we want people to be aware of this. We want people to uh, listen to these stories and entertain, but also educate. And yeah, and should you ever face some troubles, should you ever have a music box or a crazy Dyson <laughs> fan goes astray on you, we'll get you in touch with Father Martins and uh, we'll get you we'll get you the help you need. So it's, uh, but the one thing I will say about a, a lot of these stories is they end, mm. you know, many times the people, um, their condition is far better at the end and they are i don't know father would you say do any of them be, are they grateful for i wouldn't maybe say that word but many find a hope at the end and a, a different life that's be. great not grateful meaning like going through what they had they wouldn't have wanted that but they like the end result of their lives as a result of being liberated 
Oh, definitely. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they experience God's power in their life, right? It, and I mean, it would be kind of like, you know, somebody who was kidnapped and, and tortured for several years in, in, a, in, a, in a shack in a dark part of the woods. Once they're free, I mean, you know, if you were to ask them, well, do you wish that this never would have happened to you? All of them, I think, would say yes. But at the same time, they would say that my faith is stronger now. I encountered God and I've witnessed his power and his love for me. Mm. Well, and I will say that we had mm. uh, a one individual um, uh, asked me, um, they had some apparitions happening. And so it's funny now that my friends know I'm doing this show, I get all the calls when something weird happens at the house. <laughs> uh, in one case, the manifestation turned out to be chipmunks in the walls. Uh, so that case, thankfully, was not an actual uh, demon harassment. <laughs> but uh, an individual said, you know, I got I'm Ryan, I think I'm having these issues. I'm going to go burn some sage. Uh, and I said, well, you know, I... I don't know what's going on in your house, but if what is happening is related to the stuff that we're talking about, you know, uh, I'm just going to go on a limb and say sage is probably not the answer. You know, it make you might smell nice, and I enjoy sage in my chicken, but uh, I don't know if that's the answer to what you're looking for. And she, I remember she said, "I'm so scared. I don't want this to be true." And I, and I remember thinking, well, it can be scary to think about, but you know, I think the take-home message too is that. If what we're saying in this podcast, if you, you know, if you find it to be credible and it is true, then if this stuff is real, then how much more real uh, is the upside and the and, and the God uh, that orchestrated all of this? So uh, there's a weird mm-hmm. connection between it. So, yeah, if the demons and critters or the scary things are real, um, the hope is even that much more real. And so I hope people will walk away with that that message. From it. And oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, we serve a God in the business of redemption, man. That's he's in the business of redemption. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And speaking of, of you were talking earlier in the in the podcast about kind of coincidences of picking up the phone. We had someone email us this morning asking to get you on, Father. So, really? Yeah. This morning oh, right. of all days. And it wasn't Ryan. Wow. Yeah, it wasn't Ryan. Before. No, there you go. It there wasn't you see Ryan. The, the folds there. By the way, a shout out to David Holthouse. I'm sorry I forgot your name, buddy. Um, you were on our show. You he bit the Sasquatch documentary on Hulu. So sorry, I forgot your name, David. No, but I love it. I love how how you know we're all trying to 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 expose the darkness. Really expose it. You know, don't uh, celebrate it. And and I, it does encourage people. I like that what you said, Ryan. It does encourage people. We got a lot of emails from uh, from people saying the same thing. Like I didn't expect podcasts about this stuff would wouldn't invigorate my faith but it has and that's all luke and i we're just two two dummies we say just asking questions trying to figure out what's going on in the world thank you guys you guys are much smarter than us coming on our show and uh and saying um just yeah appreciate it you're very welcome thank you thanks for having us appreciate y'all yeah all right guys ryan ryan look me up when you come to franklin good luck with the show thank you so much guys we will we'll definitely um yeah we'll definitely look you up i'm out in franklin all the time and uh Father's got to represent in Detroit, you know. So we got to come up with a cool MC rap name for Father out there. Dude, right. Uh, right now, we're working on the yeah. notorious FRC for Father Carlos. So <laughs> there you Dude, go. Done and done. Well, even, everyone out there, in game. You don't even need. Don't you try any longer? Go subscribe to the Exorcist Files. Thank you guys so much for for coming on Blurry Creatures. And uh, if anything anything strange happens, and you want to come back on the show, you're always welcome. <laughs> right. If you have some, if you want to do part two. Chair, more. Yeah, and chair in the air, right? Doesn't bother yeah, us. We'll get a, we'll get a hotline yeah. going here, you know. So who are you going to call? <laughs> <you know? laughs>
DRC. D. Thank you so much. God bless you all. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Good night. Thank you.